Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by Damien Schechter, and I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, I obviously have a very difficult name to pronounce, and, um, you know, I, I, I totally understand how frustrating that is when people don't pronounce it right. So, Damien, welcome to the show. Can you just do a little bit of an introduction for yourself so that the listeners know exactly who you are and what you stand for? Sure, Dan, dude, thank you so much for having me here. I really, really, really appreciate it. And uh, I'm glad that we connected a couple of weeks back. So my name uh, is Damien Schechter, and I am the owner and founder of the All-Rounder Coaching Systems. Um, I've been a personal trainer for the past 10 years, but spent predominantly the last year and a half uh, working online. Um, I'm actually from South Africa. I'm 30 years old. Uh, and currently living in Portugal and uh, just enjoying the weather, soaking up the sun and uh, yeah, really just enjoying what I'm doing uh, abroad, you know, working with incredible people from all over the world and um, yeah, have the opportunity to do things like this, jump on podcasts with uh, like-minded individuals. So it's definitely what I love doing. So thank you so much for having me here. Not a problem at all. And I think that for me, uh, I say this all the time, one of the reasons why I started this podcast, it was back in, you know, the lockdown phase of uh, history, where I just wanted to have conversations with like minded individuals and talk about things that interested me, have conversations with people that I wasn't having with my friends, I didn't have the option to, or, you know, and I, and I thought that it was such a valuable thing, not the sense that I was talking to people, but gives people the opportunity to be able to listen in on conversations that they're potentially not even having them themselves. For sure. For sure. This is something that, you know, me being very isolated, I think this is something we can both resonate with um, quite a bit. You know, you're in India, you know, not many friends or family. I'm in Portugal with uh, practically no friends or family. Um, and so, you know, we're both kind of mm -hmm. in a very, like, let's say, isolated position here um you know where mm -hmm. you can't just you know walk outside and be connected with like-minded individuals so you know this is also one of the reasons why i started my podcast two months ago um is so that you know mm -hmm. i can at least have a little bit more interaction with people you know when i go to the gym here a lot of people speak portuguese so it's not that easy to connect um especially if you're a foreigner for example you know you're the foreigner um you're not yeah. you know kind of one of the homies that you can just have a little bit of banter with so um, you know, I do try and connect mm -hmm. with people in the physical realm, but, you know, I think this is our line of work. This is where we spend most of our time on the online space. Um, and so that's what I really enjoy about the podcasting idea is uh, to connect with like-minded individuals and have the conversations with people that you can't just have uh, with uh, anyone. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think uh, I'd love to start there, actually, you know, the fact that you're living in Portugal, it's an exciting prospect. Lots of people that get into the industry want to live that laptop uh, lifestyle. Uh, we'll get onto that in a second. But I think that the fact that you're living in a, in a different country, as am I, um, it always fascinates people. So talk to me about your experience, how you came over to Portugal, what, what the, uh, the inception of that idea was and, and how it is where you are. Right. So we, myself and my ex-partner, we came to Portugal on holiday for a few days. Um, and I really, like, seriously, seriously fell in love with this place. We came to Albufeira in the Algarve. It's absolutely beautiful. We came in the middle of winter. Everything was closed. Uh, shops were closed. Uh, hotels were even closed. And it was just a, quite a ghost town. But 
middle of winter, it was still 20, 22 degrees, still on the beach. Um, and so, you know, that for me was seriously a wake up call because I was already working online for, let's say, eight months um, in Amsterdam before this. But, you know, coming from an Amsterdam winter, working online most of the mm. time indoors, not getting that exposure to sun. Um, you know, this was also kind of coming off of COVID uh, and the lockdown. So spending a lot of time indoors, um, you know, it was a very, it was the first time I actually feel like I, I experienced seasonal depression um, and depression to an extent. I was really feeling burnt out uh, at the beginning of the year. And so we took a five-day trip to Portugal and, you know, just to see that that massive contrast of, okay, we're still in winter. We're still in a winter Europe. Um, and this is what the situation back home in Amsterdam is. And I'm doing this this type of work. And this is what the situation is in Portugal. And I can still do this type of work here. Um, it's still the Euro, you know, you're still nice and central to most other, you know, neighboring countries. So, you know, we came here for five days. And I think it was within the first hour that we decided uh, to move here. And so we spent five days, we went back to Amsterdam, packed our stuff up within uh, four weeks. And a month later, we were, yeah, we were in Portugal. So, you know, the I think the blessing of online coaching allowed me to be able to work wherever I want to um, and to be able to find a place that was more conducive to sunlight exposure, to outdoor life. Uh, you know, obviously having a dog, much better for him. Uh, you know, the quality of life here is better for human and animal. So it was just a little bit of a no-brainer. And, you know, online coaching being the catalyst, um, you know, to be able to be remote and to, you know, kind of choose a place that you want to be. Um, that was really something that I, I couldn't have found in the past nine years of personal training. But if, you know, to move your life over to a different country when you're a personal trainer, you lose your clients. Um, whereas there was only benefit to coming here because I was at a much better, let's say, peace of mind that I could focus more on my work. So in some areas, work picked up. Um, but obviously, there were some areas, you know, once you do move to a more uh, relaxed lifestyle, you can also, let's say, take your, your finger off the pulse and maybe the foot off the gas a bit. And so it's a catch-22. Yeah. You have to be very careful how you handle a situation like, like this kind of move. I think it's a really interesting uh, area, really, because I think online or any online business really gives you a massive amount of freedom. It gives you a massive amount of um, ability to be able to do and reach whoever you want. But as you said, it really comes with a lot of risk, in my opinion. I think it comes with, as you said, the if you're living in an area where the lifestyle is completely different, you've now got the option to you know go to the beach, you've got the option to do things that you wouldn't normally do in your day-to-day -day life, which would be considered more of like a holiday kind of mode. Um, it's, it's so easy to, to take your finger off the trigger and, and all of a sudden be in a position where you're enjoying life a lot and you're not taking on the responsibilities that you should do. And, and I've been guilty of it too. So it's interesting that you mentioned that with being in India. Um, when I first got here, I was super focused and, and on the pulse of everything. And then after a couple of months, after a couple of weeks, really, um, I started to explore India more, started to really enjoy um, 
the lifestyle really you know things that you can't do in the uk the weather's incredible here um so you know there's obviously the beaches and and, and everything so it, it's really was difficult you know you really have to be much more disciplined to get everything done that you need to get done so it's interesting actually that you experienced exactly this is what, the same this is what happened to me yeah this is exactly what happened to me and um it really actually fucked everything up if i can just put it in in layman's terms you know the idea of you know laptop life like sick cool i get to work wherever i want um you know i get to travel the world yeah. Sure, but you better have a structure in place to facilitate that transition because, you know, I came here and all of a sudden it was in the Algarve, you know, it's like the lifestyle is great, spend more time outside, walk the dog, go to the gym when you want. But the reality is that like, bro, you've got 50 clients that you need to service and all of a sudden taking, you know, two to three days out of your week to go and explore. um, It's, you know, and you've also got a relationship that you need to, you know, stay on top of. You've got clients that also are paying you a lot of money and, you know, deserve your attention and time and effort. And so I did let it slip. I like, I, I will ad- admit a hundred percent. And, you know, this mm-hmm. was also a point then when I reached out and I actually asked for help. So, you know, I think it was January, February, March, April, May, June. Yeah, about June. I reached out and I asked uh, for help from Kieran from Total Mental Performance um, because I just found mm-hmm. that the move had definitely affected my mindset a lot um you know i think yeah. i thought that it was going to be a lot easier you know making a, a transition like this and you know when i saw that actually business started to take a bit of a knock how that mm-hmm. negatively affected my mindset it really put me in like a little bit of a, a place of despondency and not knowing if i was making the right decisions and the right like career choices um and so you know that that's also where i reached out and i asked for help and I'm glad to have had that guidance because, you know, if I didn't have someone or a fly on the wall per se to offer me a second perspective, um, you know, who knows, it might have continued to snowball for the past four or five months. Um, and I could have either been out of business yeah. or, you know, I could I could continue to thrive. Hmm. I think it's definitely true. We've, as an industry, it's become kind of so popular, the laptop lifestyle. And of course, some elements of it are true. And, and like I said, I've touched on this a few times with the diff- different guests, but it comes with a lot of responsibility. As you say, you know, you've got clients that are completely reliant on you, on your programming, on your support, on your accountability. Um, so, yeah, it, is, it does give you the opportunity to work from anywhere in the world. But ultimately, you need that structure in place. You need that discipline to be able to remember ultimately, you know, your priority is those clients so just disappearing off for a week and exploring a country and not being available is obviously terrible for business you're not going to progress in the way that you should um and i know that sure. over the last few months you've you've really transitioned into a lot more of of focusing on the mindset and these physical challenges and doing crazy things and i'm assuming you know correct me if if i'm wrong um, that all of this is linked, you know, you wanted to hold yourself to a higher standard and be more accountable. 110% man. So, you know, I, um, you know, for, for full transparency, uh, I, you know, I was lying there last night, as I mentioned before this call, um, you know, today's obviously a little bit of a bittersweet day with, you know, rehoming, rehoming my dog. 
and a lot of people would listen to that and probably you know have their opinions and say well very selfish to get a dog if you're going to give it away and but you know everyone's got i've got my reasons that you know i obviously spoke about this um and it's for the best for myself for him um you know but i was lying here on the couch last night crying my fucking eyes out with him because I, it's really just been like uh, this is kind of the cherry on the top with a lot of things but this really has been a fucking challenging year like this honestly this has been i think one of the, the biggest breakthrough years of my life undoubtedly there have been many highs many lows and a copious amount of uh turning points and you know i think that one of the the main things was firstly moving here was you know being taken out of a comfort zone but the reality is that before moving here i was already out of a comfort zone living in amsterdam for three years I'm from South Africa. So, you know, to take me out of where my friends, my family, everything is and put me in Amsterdam, that was quite a, a shift already. Mm. But like, I think I managed that really well. I had a bit of a support structure there. But then coming here, you've taken me out of a semi like unstable time in my life to an even more like, okay, dude, now you're in Portugal. Like now you really don't know what the, like, what the fuck is happening here. Um, you're just you're trusting your gut you're going to a beautiful country with great food and good people and you're going to embrace it um but i think that move you know here was probably one of the best things but also it did set off let's say a little bit of a, a i don't want to say a chain of events but you know it, it it was definitely kind of like the starting point of what this year had in store for me and so i think the first thing obviously we just discussed was the was the work was um you know that was quite quite difficult to adjust and you know take yourself out of a holiday destination mindset and put it in and go back into a working mindset where you have structure you're diligent you're focused you you've got your shit together that was already kind of a shift and i think i lost a bit of business because of that and um or at least i didn't accumulate as much business as i could have because i was spending more time exploring or doing things or, or just being distracted um mm -hmm. And then there were obviously a few other, you know, let's say um, situations, you know, with me and my partner, for example, where, you know, we started to have, I think, because of my because of my workload, because of the amount of time that I was putting into um, into the business and the amount of energy that I was giving others and not necessarily us as a unit, um, that kind of led to a little bit of a demise, um, you know, in our relationship. And, you know, I won't go too deep there, you know, it is what it is, but um that had to obviously you know at some point come to to a bit of an agreement and a bit of an end um and you know then shortly after that i i got robbed um while i was in the house and you know they took a lot of my work stuff they took my laptops they took pretty much everything i needed for work um and so you know this year has really just been like boom 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 like just these things kept uh you know, kind of happening. And, you know, I'll never say like, oh, life is happening to me. Like, unfortunately, you know, we, I do take responsibility and accountability for, for everything. I might have, have even left the door unlocked the night that I got robbed. So, you know, there's maybe even a little bit of responsibility for mine there. But, um, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of things that, you know, can either cripple you or they can enable you to um, dig a bit deeper to build on that. Um, and at the right time I had Kieran, as I mentioned from TMP come into my life and, you know, all of these things were just kind of happening one after the other. And he mentioned to me, you have a clean slate, you have a blank canvas and you can mm -hmm. honestly design the life that you really want. And when he said that, I was like, 
right. I actually wrote down a bucket list a few months ago and I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to actually do these things that I knew inside of me because the bucket list was more of like a wish list more than it was like a task list. Right. So, you know, I had this wish list of things that like I thought would be pretty awesome to chase one day. And, you know, we had our first conversation, our first breakthrough call. And I said, that's it. I'm actually going all in on uh, on this bucket list. I'm going to get really uncomfortable. I'm going to put myself in positions that are going to require me to grow and to, you know, maybe get out of the monotony of sitting on a computer all the time doing the same thing. Because if I don't grow, yeah. I cannot offer this this grown person to other people. You know, I can make myself out to seem a little bit more professional than what I am or more experienced than what I am or um, that I've gone deeper as a coach to be able to understand clients a bit better. But, you know, here's the reality is that dude, you, you're not going that deep. You are maybe stuck in a place where you haven't, you know, explored yourself fully. You haven't explored your likes, your dislikes. What are, what are the things that, you know, you haven't tried that maybe could change your life? So I really went deep into wanting to do things that I'd never done before. Um, mm -hmm. And so I started kind of, yeah, chasing a, a bit of a bucket list in the midst of all this craziness. Um, and it's been, yeah, dude, like it's, it's been a complete 180. And I've, uh, I've definitely, uh, I've really experienced some incredible things and people uh, over the past few months. Mm. That's, it's, it's exceptional to hear because so much of what you've been through over the last six months, year, a year, are things that could potentially have crippled you and, and probably did at some points, you know? And I think that there's something very, very interesting about the mindset of, you know, a clean slate, because it's so easy in those moments of, you know, extreme pain, upset, anguish, high stress to go self-destructive, to be not 100%. the best version that you could possibly be. And, I think, 100%. you know, I've myself, I've done, um, I've done therapy and uh, something that I really love is psychology. And for me, being the best version that I can be is something that's so important to myself. So I will reinvest back into myself, whether it's educational in terms of nutrition, training or mindset in terms of therapy or you know, performance mindset, or even business mentoring, for me, I think we need to keep developing, we need to because we're, we're only given a certain set of tools by our parents. And, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that those are functional, and very good tools for life, you know, they're not going to necessarily equip you for the best quality of life. And the fact that I think the majority of people I realized, in my life had stopped investing in themselves after school. They weren't trying yeah. to relearn new techniques. They weren't trying to learn how to get better at anything. Uh, and that's not a, it's not a dig. I don't mean that to throw shade at anyone. I just mean that as a, if that, if that's what it's you want from your life, that's fine. If you're, if you're happy with that, that's fine. Like, you know, that's you. But for me, it wasn't, I wanted to continue developing and to continue growing and, and learn. And that's when I, I feel like I'm thriving in life. That's when I feel like I'm doing the best that I can be when I'm continually checking boxes and, and pushing that stone a little bit further up the hill. Um, so I love that. Talk sure. to me a little bit more about how the 
um, the, the mentoring from TMP kind of really enabled you to push through those areas of discomfort and then what that taught you? That was hands down. Um, I, you know, as you mentioned, I've never, uh, we, most of us never really fully invest after school, um, you know, and, you know, this is now 12 years after I finished school. It was, aside from maybe my studies as a, a PT um, and, you know, the qualifications that go with that, um, you know, I haven't really fully invested or at least like really fully invested. Like we're talking, we're not talking like, you know, cents and pennies here. Like, you know, really saying, okay, this is a chunk of money. It's There's nothing tangible that you'll get back for it. This is going into improving your mindset, improving the way that you think, improving the way that you that you make decisions and how you interact with people and you know how you cultivate the life that you essentially want to live and you know i was ready for this you know i knew that um you know my relationship wasn't going well i knew that my business could be doing better um i knew that you know i had really good structure with my training but you know to juggle all of these these areas of my life it was it was a challenge i'll just you know put it like that and so sticking my hand and asking for, for help from Kieran. I'd listened to his, many of his podcasts. I'd listened to pretty much all of his podcasts. And uh, there was one moment in one of his podcasts with Simon Johnson where, uh, you know, he said, it's okay if you put your hand up and ask for help. The best thing that you can do is put your hand up and ask for help. So I put my hand up and asked for help and I immediately uh, voice noted Kieran and he responded to me within a couple of minutes. And um, yeah, so we got on a call and, you know, I ended up working one-on-one -on -one in the evolution program with Kieran. And, you know, the, the initial question that was asked to me was, so, you know, if you walked away with what you came for, how would you know? And so my answer to that was, I would be a high performer. Fuck yeah. Like that's, I think the thing, right? Everyone, everyone these days wants to just be like a high performer, high performer, high performer. We all want to, you know, we all want to juggle a million hats and do a, an exceptional job with each one of them. Um, but, you know, that was, I think, maybe kind of like the surface level um, label that I'd put, yeah. put on what, what I wanted. But what I really wanted was to go into situations with full confidence. What I, I wanted to have no fear or no doubt or worry about the validation that I do or don't get from others when posting online, um, which would make me a more confident business owner and person. Um, you know, there were some issues that I needed to work through, um, and take ownership of, and also not take ownership of, for example, my childhood, um, you know, how you as a child get, get treated, you know, if, you know, and I'll trace this back to, let's say like a situation with my dad, right. Was, you know, I never got out of my comfort zone. I never tried new things because when I was a child. I wanted to try new things, but my dad would, would always say, no, there's no point in you doing that because you're not going to carry through, follow through with it. So then what happened is it compounded as I started to grow up. I stopped trying new things because I had had this message in my head that, cool, you'll start, but you won't finish. There's no point in starting at all. And so, you know, just kind of peeling off these layers back to situations where I was three, four, five, six years old, seeing what happened in my life in middle school and then high school and then when I finished school and you know how that affected my relationships but also how my relationships affected me um really you know not let's say looking at the past as 
reasons or answers, but more for understanding that, you know, this happened to you, you were the victim in it. You know, you didn't, you didn't do anything wrong to be treated this way. So stop carrying this mindset through that, you know, you, you started things and you didn't finish. That's what you were told, but you as an adult have the opportunity to start things and finish them. Right. And so the second that this was explained to me, the second that we worked through situations like this, that's when I started to also kind of dedicate myself to these bucket list items. Um, and so, you know, the, one of the, the first things that I started doing with the bucket list was scuba diving. Now, my biggest fear was going into the ocean. I can swim in the ocean. I'll go five meters out, 10 meters out. But mm-hmm. the second that I don't know what's below me, the second that I'm far away from anyone just being at a hand's distance to help me, I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. That freaks me the fuck out. If I'm in a lake and I know that there's nothing below me, I still don't like the fact that there's 20 meters or 10 meters even for that matter um, of, of something potentially touching my foot freaks me out. So, you know, <laughs> the, the ocean and the sea were things that, you know, I'd really, I, you know, if I went on a boat with someone and everyone jumped into the ocean, there's no fucking ways I would. Or if I did, I would scurry back to the, the boat really, really fast to get out the water. Um, and so, you know, on this bucket list, I had all these things down. And the first thing was like, I want to be a scuba diver. I want to have that qualification. I want to actually explore the 70% of the world that 99% of the world have not explored and seen with their own eyes. Um, and so that was the, the first thing that I started doing. And it was kind of coinciding with me being very introspective with my life and going a bit deeper, you know, with understanding myself. At the same time, I was also going literally deeper than surface level when scuba diving. So metaphorically, um, I was really just trying to kind of break out of a comfort zone and break out of uh, a place in my life that I'd become very complacent and okay to just not do heavy lifting, not emotionally, um, you know, kind of understand myself at a deeper level. So, you know, that was one thing uh, that obviously I then did my 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 scuba, my uh, my beginners. Uh, I then went straight on to doing my advanced, and now we obviously want to go after the masters. Um, so that's become a real passion of mine that I do really regularly. And uh, you know, I had a, I think just relating back to a question here with you know the, the uh, TMP was Kieran really worked with me to not be afraid to put myself in situations where, and it comes kind of down to anxiety almost, you know, and like this could be financial, it could be emotional. Um, you know, where you, you kind of, you stay away from things because you don't know how they're going to play out. You're worried that they're not going to work. You're worried that you're not going to finish. Um, and he really, really worked through that with me. And, you know, we started that at like a five-year-old onwards, uh, you know, level. So really kind of peeling back the layers, um, to a point where I didn't even think of these things, you know, there was a point in one of our calls that I had to sit there and speak. My my father's passed away for about four years now. And I had to sit there and have this conversation with my my dad. And, you know, that was a a very pinnacle point in the journey almost where your dad's not there, but he's listening. And you need to get these things off your chest. And you need to say things that you've always wanted to say, because otherwise you're going to carry this through with you. And no normal human is going to take me through an experience like that. Nobody you know, sure, my friends are not going to do that. Sit me down and make me have the conversation I've never had with my, my dad. 
Um, my family won't do that. You know, nobody really takes a, a huge interest other than a mentor who you can trust um, to do that with you. And so that was, that was Kieran for me and total mental performance. Um, and he really made me go deep. And anyone that's listening, that's looking to really, yeah, just go on that journey. Um, that was, man, yeah, that was a uh, absolutely best investment I've ever made. And I'll, I'll say it time and time over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll put the uh, details in the, the bio for that. Um, it's really important, I think, and it's a powerful experience. You know, I have had a similar experience with the therapy style that I used. Um, I used internal family systems. And that is essentially very similar to what you've just described. It's, it's almost a meditative, meditative state. Uh, I felt like I was stuttering then, but it's um, essentially exactly what you've said. Mm -hmm. you, you sit down and you, you shut your eyes. You kind of imagine that you're having a conversation with someone. It could be yourself. It could be a younger part of you. Uh, it could be a family member, you know, and you just hash out, you ask questions, you're curious, and it can be very transformative and, going to that level is very, very uncomfortable. You know, you're dealing with things that potentially you didn't necessarily know had affected you and actually have affected you and the way that you think, yeah. the way that you behave, the way that you function. Um, you know, I didn't know until I started therapy that one of the reasons why I have such an obsessive character was because of the things that had gone on in my life. And I was using that as a kind of a coping mechanism to escape rather than processing and functioning or making sure that I dealt with things. It was a case of the For internal sure. parts of me were trying to escape and not, not focus on the negatives and, and, and toxically positively. So, um, and, you know, going through that experience was another one of those moments for me where I really recognized quite early on in my life, fortunately, that, whenever I got into these areas of discomfort or high anxiety states, or I was scared of something, if I'd pushed through that, it was the most rewarding and, and the way that I was going to grow the most. And as you, as you have yourself, I started to search out ways that I could, you know, get that like almost dopamine hit. Um, again, you know, falling into that obsessive quality of myself, it was very much a case of what can I do next? What can I overcome next? And I think that leads me on nicely into your challenges. You've been doing a couple of crazy things recently, haven't you? And I know that you've got a couple of crazy things more. So talk to me about that and, and what that sure. challenge provided you and how you overcame those. Right. So I, um, you know, look, dude, I've been bodybuilding or well, at least been in the gym for, let's say, uh, since Oh, I was six, yeah, 16, I'm 30 now. So yeah, about 14, 15 years um, I've been training. And so that's been a huge, you know, kind of comfort zone and area that, you know, like I've, I've always excelled in. Um, I obviously, you know, did quite a bit of bodybuilding uh, for about four or five years. And I, I won quite a few shows with that. I did very well. I had some good sponsors. Um, so, you know, the bodybuilding world for me has really been um, like a huge part of just who I am, what I do. But it isn't it's a big part of who I am, but it's not who I am. Um, and it's not what I am, right? Like I still have other ambitions. I have other goals that I want to achieve. And, you know, I've always kind of like let them lay dormant and never really fully pursued something that was out of my comfort zone. Um, and so this year, obviously coming with its challenges, you know, I found that 
something that was was a challenge for me was to get into the water and to become you know scuba diving uh competent um but that was the first thing on my you know on my bucket list and i've got the bucket list in front of me here and you know when i look at it they i've put some things down in here that are pretty audacious um but i realized that the one thing that i was so uncomfortable with was possible and i did it and you know, I was breathing underwater for 45 minutes. Like, that's insane. I was, you know, I was interacting with an octopus. Like, what the fuck? Why did you hold back for so long on doing these things, you know, when they're not that difficult? Or if they were a challenge, you know, if you do something enough times, it becomes it becomes easy. You enjoy it. So, you know, other things when I looked down here were, you know, running a marathon. You know, coming from at one point in my bodybuilding career being 100 kilos, you go and get 100 kilos at like 7% body fat to go and run a marathon. Like you're a bodybuilder. You are not a marathon runner. So I stuck away from things like this, um, you know, and then moving on to that, competing in an Ironman, you know, dude, know your place. You are not one of those athletes. You are a bodybuilder. And so, you know, I... I wrote these things down because at some point in my life, I want to do these things. And I said, you know what? If you say at some point in your life, you're never going to do it. Now is the time. The time is now. <laughs> like, you know, when are you going to commit to this? So those are the things that I started to, uh, you know, practice towards. And, you know, I gave myself, this was now, you know, four months ago that I'd written this bucket list. Um, I immediately started becoming actionable about a month and a half, two months before, uh, after that. Um, and yeah, I started practicing for a marathon. I ran into a few knee issues and that completely killed my idea of potentially even doing a half marathon. You know, I was running three kilometers and then my knee would start hurting. So it went from this expectation of myself to do 42 kilometers to all of a sudden, ah, dude, I don't even know if you'll be able to do 21, but you're still going to show up because you've committed to doing this. You've prepped for this, or you've at least done your absolute best to try so last weekend was my uh, was my 42 kilometer uh, marathon and starting line I was very hesitant I could feel my knee was not 100% um, and then I, I you know I'd already crossed the finish line in my head that thing is I was going to either walk it drag myself there limp it whatever I needed to do I was going to finish that I was going to finish the race so you know, obviously the marathon is, let's say, just one piece of, let's say, the Ironman puzzle, right? Because before you commit to an Ironman, you need to be able to run. So that's what happened is I completed the marathon. I set a really good time for myself. The knee was 100%. Um, and now the next thing is the Ironman. And, you know, just to be very clear, these are me getting extremely uncomfortable with what I'm used to. I'm not a runner. I'm definitely not a cyclist. Mm -hmm. And I'm most certainly not a swimmer, but I'm becoming those things. And I'm putting myself in a really difficult position at the moment to try things that I know that I'm not good at. I know that I'm, I'm not a competent 180 kilometer cyclist. If you put me against a seasoned athlete, there's no way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the same time uh, or, or set the same pace. But it's not about the same time or the same pace. It's about me doing the things that I never thought I would or could do. Um, and seeing how uncomfortable I can essentially get, you know, and, uh, how I can, you know, find the most growth because that's where it's going to happen mm. is in those times of being uncomfortable, you know, the marathon at, 
kilometer 38, there's two people that are on the side of the road crying because they're cramping. There's an ambulance that's going past me. There's someone else that's fainted because they're dehydrated. Like it was a bit of a fucking war zone. And there'll be people that are listening to this that have probably done an ultra marathon. And they're like, yeah, you know, marathon's easy. But, you know, different levels, different devils. You know, the, the 42K is still not a joke. It's a, a huge distance. Um, and, you know, me seeing all of this kind of go around, uh, going on around me and me still feeling pain in, let's say, my hips, in my ankles, buildup of lactic acid. There was a bit of fatigue. That you know, that really put me in a place where I was like, holy fuck, dude, this is a, a lot bigger than you. 42.6 kilometers is a lot bigger than you. And you can either be one of these people and it owns you, or you can push through and you can own it. And when I saw that finish line, man, the mm. fact that I had done that personally for me was groundbreaking because I never, ever thought that I would be that person, that I would be that athlete. Um, and so that's opened up huge possibility for the idea that now I know one of three have been done. I now need to focus on the cycle. I need to focus on the swim. I'll consolidate each one on its own. I'll do the swim. Great. Now I've done the run and I've done the swim. Go do the cycle. Then you'll put all the pieces of the puzzle together. But, you know, that will be growth. That will be success when I have done it. But the journey between now and then is equally going to be growth and success. And that's essentially what I'm after, man. As you mentioned, you know, that's what fuels the fire. If you finish school and, you know, you go straight into a sedentary, you know, lifestyle or job where there's not much that like ignites the fire, it's very easy to monotonously become complacent. And I don't want that. I want growth. I want to one day have a partner that I'm giving my best to. I want to have a social circle uh, around me of like-minded individuals and what do you want those to be you want those to be successful driven people that have gone through challenges that have gone through changes that have gone through journeys that require them to be uncomfortable to see that growth these are everyone wants to be surrounded by successful happy healthy driven people um and so i need to be that for myself um if that's essentially what i want at a later stage in my life sorry that was quite a mouthful but i think uh, that, that that gives you a good idea yeah, I think I couldn't agree more. And I think that there's something that we spoke about, you know, in the in the initial stages of this planning and, and just communicating was I think that part of the issue is as a man, there's there's so much complexities uh, around being a healthy man. You know, what is what is healthy masculinity? What is toxic masculinity? And, you know, what are the things that we should be doing and shouldn't be doing. I mean, some of those are very, very obvious points, but, you know, there's, there's some things that I think that are currently being demonized that are almost fundamental to your fulfillness as a man, you know, being on your purpose, ticking things 100%. off, achieving things. I think that's obviously, you know, it's, it's something that makes a lot of people happy, you know, masculine and feminine, uh, male and female. But I think there's so much at the moment that, we're almost demonizing men for being men and you know yes, there's lots of toxic behavior that goes on i'm not i'm not disputing that i'm not disputing that at all and I'm, I'm not making excuses for it but for me myself it's something that i've struggled with and i've got a mentor um i told you about it briefly who is literally his his primary like goal is to make sure that the masculine society that we're in is mature 
and as as thriving as possible in the sense that it is positively masculine and it's not toxic and it's you know making sure that the next generation of men are healthy and you know we're we're working on our purpose and and those sorts of points it's it's a really weird place that i think that we're in now in society where you cannot you know be motivated driven or even kind of focused on on business to an extent that you know people say to you you know that's not that's not normal um you know and i think that yeah it's 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 difficult you know and and i think that we're you know competitiveness that's a very it's a masculine trait of course you know i I, there are females that are competitive but it is a masculine trait and you know if we look in if we're talking spirituality that's what i mean there you know there's a great book that i'm reading at the moment called king warrior um magician lover if you've not read that read it it's about the four male archetypes within the masculinity realm right and there's also the female version of I'll that as well. that they, they have sure. female female <clears throat> archetypes i i'll be honest and and be very blunt i don't i haven't read and I, I have very little knowledge of the the female one so my my mentor daniel will, will probably not like that but in terms of mm-hmm. the the qualities that we need as a, as a as a man you know the idea behind that book is to be an embodied king and and what that means is an embodied king is not someone that is self-serving it's someone that isn't tyrannical it's someone that looks at everybody in their tribe and always serves them for the betterment of them it's not self-serving and i think that that's something that as a society you know men have been getting wrong you know if we look at the government if we look at politicians they're not they're not serving the greater need of 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 the people they're serving themselves in most cases if you look at ceos of companies they're looking after themselves you know whereas we need embodied healthy masculine individuals and um for anybody that doesn't quite understand yet we have the embodied king in in um would be Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, someone that doesn't necessarily want the power, but will do it for the mm-hmm. greater good. Hundred percent, hundred percent, dude. Like, dude, I like, I'm totally, totally on board with it. I'm not going to pull like a a Jordan B. Peterson, you know, like take on this now because yeah. that generally does offend people. But um, you know, there's definitely, you know, I think when we're talking, let's say about competitiveness um in its own right you know this is something that i you know if i look at my bodybuilding career or i look at the fact that yeah i'm i'm now doing a marathon i'm doing an ironman or you know i'm i'm competitive in nature i like to do well i think it's great to do well i think you know nobody nobody that likes to do well is going to disagree with me saying that it's amazing to want to do well and amazing to be driven and not be sedentary not be complacent that's a system that that we're kind of like all being suppressed into at the moment right is like oh relax it's okay to it's okay to not be driven it's okay to not want to you know you know uh, let's say explore or optimize your true potential your true health your your like what your body is capable of we're all being told it's okay just relax you're fine just the way you are and like this is obviously uh this will go on to a topic that like i'm not going to spend any time on but the whole body positivity 
movement per se. Um, you know, I think especially in our line of work, sure, I'm, I'm really happy that you are feeling good in your skin. But the reality is, is that like, you know, if you're going to fully reach your true potential, this involves you being at your best health. Because when you're at your best health, best body composition, you're getting in, uh, you know, let's say, a lot of really healthy food, you are being structured, you have routine, um, you know, you're fully optimizing, let's say your physical and mental well being, you're going to be driven to be able to give a better part of yourself to the rest of the world, to the people around you. And so it actually works mm -hmm. to your benefit to, let's say, as a man, at least things around this topic, you know, reach your full true potential in every area. But of course, have the feminine, have this, this, the sensitive side of love, care, understanding. Like, you know, these are things that I think we, as men, um, sometimes we, we shy away from these emotions because there is, on the other side of things, a societal pressure for men to be X, Y, and Z. And yes, we should be X, Y, and Z. 100% we should always be X, Y, and Z. But, you know, let's not forget that there's also the ABCs that you know we are still only human and we can show emotion and we can um you know still have that softer side but you know let's not let the abcs make us now forget that we have the xyz's to you know still up, uphold our personal standard um you know we mm. yeah we we do have let's say a uh, and I heard Jordan B. Peterson say this the other day, you know, we do have an expectation to build the infrastructure. We do still have like the expectation to provide to families. Like these are, these are things that, um, you know, we should take and I'm, I fully do back, uh, those responsibilities. So, you know, for me, at least kind of relating this back to, let's say my personal journey, that's what I want is that I want to get uncomfortable to be able to grow, um, and achieve these certain tools and certain ways of delegating and taking on things that are bigger than me and certain challenges so that I can contribute, that I can be my best version of myself to friends, family, others uh, around me that I, I care about, essentially. Yeah, and I think that it's not necessarily a bad message to say to people that you can be better. Not that you're bad as it is, but to give people the you kind can of, be better. I think, yeah. And, 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 you know, like you said, I think there's a societal pressure or expectation at the moment that you should be okay with like whatever situation you're going through or wherever, wherever you are in life. And I, I think that it's not necessarily a bad message to say to people, you know, you, you could be better. Like let's, let's face the facts in whatever situation you are, there's always yeah. more now that obviously can be, but taken then it becomes extreme, a witch hunt. But yeah. 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 And that's the issue we're facing. I think that it's, it's a really polarizing environment. And, you know, as soon as you, I mean, I don't even want to go there. Like, let's be honest, when we're talking about people and, and what's happened over, you know, social media that stand up for, you know, masculine values, there's people that get banned very quickly, because it's a it's a dangerous ground to tread. Um, but let's talk about the control let's talk about how we can get through those moments of pain and you know using yourself as an example getting through that marathon you know when you're seeing other people in such agony in such a plight and 
you know, it would be easy for you in that situation to just, you know, join them at the side of the road. How do you yeah. fight through that and focus on the end goal? Um, you know, I, I compared this to like a little bit of a war zone, right? Um, and I think if you think about it like that, it's you've got all these wounded, like this is obviously like, I obviously don't want to disrespect anyone, you know, with this comparison of, of like being in a, a war, anyone that's been in military, for example. But, you know, if we're going to just metaphorically say that there's a lot of fallen soldiers um, around you, you know, and, you know, you can, I think when you put it like that, it's, would you want to join them or do you want to live? And the same thing with, okay, well, do you want to succumb to aches, pains and like, and, you know, dehydration, or do you want to finish and feel that sense of accomplishment, feel that sense that you've, you've just done something that you thought you could never do. I looked at a lot of these people and I was empathetic for sure, but I, I'm, I'm not going to be one of you. That's the thing. And, you know, like, obviously I could have gone into that race. And I could have cramped up. I could have twisted an ankle. I could have gotten dehydrated. I could have not carved myself up correctly and collapsed and, and fainted because I was, you know, low on energy. There's a million things that could have happened to me, just like there's a million things that could have happened to other people. But, you know, from a mindset perspective, I looked around and I said, there's no actual fucking ways that I'm going to be one of you guys. I'm not going to be in an ambulance. I'm not going to sit there crying that I've twisted my ankle. I'm not going to sit there having someone stretch me out because I'm cramping and I'm in agony. I'm not going to do that. And this came down to the fact that I'd already finished the race before I started. I knew that no matter what was going to happen, I was going to finish. Um, and I think that obviously leads on to, you know, the topic of how we speak to ourselves. Um, and, you know, I have, going back to the masculine, a high expectation of myself. I know that no one else has expectations of me. None of my friends, family, half of my friends and family for that matter, told me not to do the race because for the six to eight weeks before the race, I was bitching and moaning on my social media or on my stories of, wow, that was a really good run, but my knee fucked out. Or, ah, that was really good, but my knee gave me issues three weeks in. Everybody was telling me not to do this race. Um, I was telling myself, so I got bitten by a spider on that knee five days before the race. And I was like, yes, sick, awesome. This is a really great opportunity to use an excuse to not do the race because you actually were just worried about your knee. Um, but like, this is the thing, right? Is that 99% of people out there are complacent. They never push themselves. They never truly reach that true version of themselves that, that will bring so much more fucking growth to their lives. Like, you know, if you, if you never push yourself and you never get out of your comfort zone, you're not going to grow. And so it's easier to stay where you are. It's easier to stay in, in that, that safe zone. And so all of these people around me that always stay in their safe zone, that never reach their full potential, that never get out of a comfort zone, they were all the ones telling me, don't do the race. Relax, man. Like, why are you being so hard on yourself? Give yourself time. But like, that how does that make me feel good is the people that i'm tr like i'm trying to separate myself from right I'm not saying separate because you're bad people but i i expect myself to be an elite i expect myself to be the best version that i can be i'm on an elite athletic level for myself here not to be better than you not to be better than anyone else that i'm running with but i have an expectation of myself 
and let's not even say as a man, right? Just as a human being to, to be the best version. And when you've got the 99 percenters all telling you not to do something, it almost becomes impossible to want to give in to them because you want to prove them, not just prove them wrong, but just prove yourself, prove to yourself that you are not going to be broken, that you are not going to take on that mindset that 99%ers have. And so, yeah, that was, I think for me, a very, very, very important lesson learned, especially on that 38, 40 kilometer mark. But, you know, then you finish the, you know, the, the race and immediately, so I get home that evening and I turn on Netflix and there's a show um, about a race in the Sahara Desert and it's over six days and it's a 240 kilometer race. And it's, it's one marathon a day for six days um, in like, you know, 50, 60 degree heat, south of Morocco. Um, and this is now what, like eight hours after I finished the race, I'm lying on the couch, absolutely broken. And I saw this and I thought, that's what you're working towards, but do the Ironman first. You know, so the marathon now, really, if you're looking at it from a percentage perspective of what I'm working towards, the marathon was a very small piece of a massive, massive puzzle. And that was actually just, let's say when you wake up in the morning, people say, just take the first step and then one foot in front of the other. The marathon, as big as it was on the day, if I look at it now, a week and a half later, it's only the first step of 100,000 steps. And I've already taken the first step. So now I just need to do the next, do the next marathon, do the next. It's going to be challenging if I go to a different country, to a different terrain, maybe doing it in, in uh, wet weather, maybe doing it in extremely hot weather. I might have had this really easy and the next one might completely break me. I'm not saying that I handled it well and that I, I loved every moment of it. There were times where I really questioned if I was going to finish. But I know that I'm going to finish the next one. I know that I'm going to finish the one after that. I know that I'm going to finish an Ironman and I know that I will finish this, the, the 240 in the desert. I just need to continue to be actionable because if I put one foot in front of the other and I'm actionable, then it makes it a lot more realistic instead of me saying, oh, everyone's saying that that's not possible. Everyone says that, oh, like, Damien, don't do that. You're going to, you know, you, you'll have a heart attack. How do you know? You haven't done it. So, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm in that place right now mm. where it's uh, chase bigger things, chase bigger things and have fun and enjoy it. You know, you've only got one life. How boring is it that you're going to lie there one day on your deathbed and, and you know, the angels are going to say to you, so did you, did you, was there this high level of fulfillment? Did you do all the things that you wanted to do or that you knew you could do? You sit there and you're like, no, I spent half my life in front of a computer sleeping or unhappy with myself. The fuck? Yeah. That's boring. There's a phrase that I love, and um, it's something, uh, it goes along the lines of uh, hell is when you are on your deathbed and you meet the version of yourself that you could be, and then you compare yourself to that. 100%. I think that was even like a David Goggins, no? I don't know. Maybe he said it. It might be. Um, I've stolen it from someone, dude. but it's incredible. I know. I've seen it on someone's caption, but it's 100% true, is that like, you're going to sit there one day and reflect on everything. And some people will say, you know, well, the worst, you know, the worst thing is actually surrounding yourself by negative people. The worst thing is never reaching your full, um, you know, business potential. So, you know, and for me, I'm taking a little bit of all of that. And I think in the bigger scale of things, just separating myself from the naysayers, separating myself from the people who say things are not possible, that it's going to be a lot harder than what you think. 
oh, don't try this because you might fail. I also thought that. What if I what if I run the race and a kilometer and I twist my ankle or I hurt my knee, and then and then I can't finish the race. Or what if I do the race, I finish the race, and I set myself a good time, and that's exactly what I did. But I didn't have the answer. I didn't know. But I I knew that that was there was more possibility of me doing that than me just sitting around and giving up before I'd actually really put in the time and effort. That's amazing, Damien. Thank you so much for coming on today. Before we leave it. Where can people find more about you? Right. So um, I've got two avenues of being able to get in touch with me. I've obviously got Instagram, um, which would be Damien, or, or the at, Damien underscore the all-rounder. Um, and then I do have a website as well, which we've just launched, and that's www.allroundercoaching.com. And you can find me there. Um, and if anyone ever wants to ask me any questions, training, health, fitness-related, uh, or more about what I do and how I can help people, uh, you can drop me a message on either platform and I will be mega fast to get back to you. Awesome stuff. Thanks for coming on, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time.